0: And thank you to another for joining us for another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. As always, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Aliyah Sabella We are coming to you live from Hello, Chicago and, and with another know. with another show. Always something. <laughs> with another show. This week we have joining us by phone today Jason Perillo, uh, head coach of a lot of famous MMA fighters, but most notably Michael Bisping is what we're interested in talking to him about. Um, Then we're going to talk a little bit about UFC 209 and some other general MMA topics as always feel free to add a comment in the uh, comments below if you have a question or something you want to contribute to the conversation and we'll uh, keep an eye on that we'll we'll try to answer your questions to the time allowing and um, have an overall discussion so first things first let me pull up UFC 209 the main event Underwhelming. And I think that's a big takeaway that a lot of people take for the event. What was your takeaway from the, the main event? Yeah,
1: you know, it was interesting. We were talking a, a few seconds ago off, offline, Mike. We got, uh, we just recently got in uh, a letter from uh, a friend of ours and a listener, uh, Roman. And Roman, you know, he was like, hey, what do you think? You know, is that the, the worst UFC title fight ever? I've seen a lot of tweets from, from other people in the media, fans, even some columns written about it. I, don't, I kind of reject the premise. I think the premise is a little bit preposterous and has some problematic um, logic. I think it's, it's so interesting and unfortunate that we talk about fight sports in a way that we don't talk about other sports. I don't know when the last time I had a conversation on what the, the, the most boring baseball game <laughs> I've ever watched was, right? There's just, we take it for granted in other, in other sports that some games are more interesting, more titillating, more exciting uh, than others. Uh, exciting ones, it's, and there's particularly thrilling ones, and particularly action-packed ones, high-scoring ones. We celebrate. I got no problem with that. But this whole this whole notion of let's we got to determine what was most or least titillating and fighting is is weird because it's it's kind of exceptional in sports, and it's a particularly bad sport to do it in because the consequences uh, are, are so heavy uh, in in, uh, in in fight sports. They're not playing a game. They're really. Um, they're playing with their lives in there. So I, I really don't ever rail on fighters for being tactical or, or cautious. The thing people don't understand, I think, a lot of times about professional fighters is they all want to win really, really badly, right? They all want to finish really, really, really badly. These particular professional athletes, though they're on major network television and pay-per-view, they don't get paid like other major sports stars. And so much of their, their pay is Contingent on them being exciting and them finishing fights. So they they the motivation is there and they're trying. But it's just it's just a hard thing to do. So I think it's a weird thing we don't do in other sports. We don't say like, hey, uh, I don't know, Golden State Warriors, uh, or no, like in the opposite. Like if there's a team Golden State is a great perimeter game, right? Let's say there's a team that didn't have a great perimeter game in basketball. You know, they they to score they need a get to the they need a, they have a great post up game, right? They get one or two guys in the paint that score most of their points. They get second shots off of rebounds and that's how they get their points. Do we rail on them and say, hey, you know what? That's not super exciting. Why don't you shoot more threes? Oh, you don't have anyone that, that hits over twenty percent of their three point attempts? I don't care. That's more exciting. You shouldn't care about winning the same token. If there was a, a football team that doesn't have a good passing game but they win with their running, do we criticize them for running the ball? And say it would be a lot more exciting to me if you pass the ball and risk losing i I think it's kind of preposterous and beyond that even if you were to accept the premise long time fight fans know that there's been a lot less titillating title fights in the ufc than the one we just saw one where we saw uh uh, you know the the champion uh dominate on the ground or, or come close to finishing in the final seconds of a fight and nearly knock out his opponent for the second time in as many fights like there's been a lot less eventful fights than that so I I don't like the whole discussion, personally, the the, the discursive on this type of topic. Um, And I also think fans with memory realize that (laughs) even if you do accept that discussion, there's been a lot less drama-filled fights, in my view. Like, I'm not pretending it was titillating every second, but I also think there's more important things than that, personally.
0: So, in the SEC, they have this, like, uh, they have this... Kind of thing, low-scoring games is like their thing in football, yeah, and right. people are like okay with that. Yeah, exactly. And it's acceptable. You know, they all they care the about is that you win. Like in soccer, there's a, a tactic called parking the bus, where <laughs> yeah. you play really defensively, and it can it can be really boring in attempts to like salvage a draw. But you know, I, I feel like for as much criticism as Tyron Woodley has received since becoming champion, I feel like he really handled the aftermath of it really well yeah, for sure at least in explaining you know when he was asked about the fight being boring or you know whatever yeah. them showing hesitations i think he did a really good job of breaking down why that was you know he mentioned it's really hard to fight somebody back to back immediately you know their tendencies and uh, he pointed to something specific he's like you know i knew that when he turned his hip he was going to go for this kick so like i would go i would be ready to go in and then i'd see him do that and then i wouldn't because i knew what he was trying to do like we just knew each other so well that like every time i i would gesture like i was about to do something i could see that he was ready to counter it so i would i would not do it and it makes total sense it does and then at the same time he talks about like how you know he uh he um he's trying to win yeah and like that's his ultimate goal and it's like the you know, I don't want to lose. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I don't know. I But I feel like he did a really good job explaining like, really the did. tendency of like them fighting back to back and knowing each other so well as, w- as much as uh, the fact that, you know, him trying to fight in a style that allowed him to stay a champion. Yeah. You know, a lot of people yeah. going into this fight were like, we, Tyron really should take Stephen Thompson to the ground and wrestle him, and then the okay. will just you know stroll to a victory. It'll right, be easy. Right. But it's like if he did that, you know he'd be criticized because uh, it was yep. boring. He just took him down and held him, yep. and it's like
1: exactly. I think I think there's an ignorance there, and I think would you point out it was uh, Tyron's post fight press conference uh, comments. Definitely, if you haven't listened to them or watched them, do yourself a favor, listen to Mike and and, and watch them. I mean, you'll if you don't already know. What he's saying is true about fighting and about competition generally. At that level, uh, you'll you'll learn a little something. I, you know, I got to I got to end on this. Not to you know with, with, with this subject, Mike. I, when I say that you know when we talk about the way we talk about fight sports is different in this regard than the way we talk about other sports. It it's important to me to point out, and this is my opinion, but I believe it's it speaks to a real dehumanization of the athletes in fight sports to me we still a lot of us still view them as like these gladiators romanticize it heck that's the lead-in for you know or was for so many years of the ufc that's you know their bravery is certainly admirable but there's a part of us that still think that these guys and girls exist to titillate us and their health be damned. I don't care if they're fighting, you know, a lion or uh, you know, a person that knows them very well in a rematch. We don't care. We don't. And, and <sighs> the if
0: we blood don't. bloodlust.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and that's the old
0: gladiator days.
1: That's a problem, man. When we criticize a fight like this, I'm not saying you have to love the fight, but if you start, if you go through the effort, especially as a writer, to to write about this, it, it speaks more to your ignorance and and to to a real lack of. Uh, Recognition of shared humanity, in my view, um, it's it's just, it's a very, very strange thing, and and it reminds me, like I, I this is the, by the way, would like it or don't like it or hate it or love it, this is predictably the fight. I mean, this is the fight we were gonna see. How in the world did we think it was gonna be different? It was a less action-packed version of the first one. Woodley, I mean, uh, Thompson, arguably edging out. Most of the time when they're on their feet, when Woodley can get him on the ground, he really does some work there and does some damage. And the guy that comes closest to finishing with threatening with that power is Tyron Woodley and comes in spurts. That's the exact same way the first fight went down. But, like you said, this time they know each other better, so they're going to be more cautious. When Steven Thompson came on here and said, I want to let it go more, I mean that's a good I'm, that's a heavy task, man. Like, it's a tough thing to do that against someone like Talon Woodley, who can threaten with the takedowns and close distance fast. And it's like a whole another thing to do it in a rematch when he knows you well. So, people are revealing their ignorance in a whole lot of ways by by um, at least these so-called experts by, by talking about it in that way.
0: Well, I think the uh, the flurry at the end teased people to like what <laughs> they wanted to see a little sure. bit because like, it was so close to happening it's like but, i want to
1: see that guy almost die for 25 straight minutes like i get it but it's not an action movie it's tough to do if chiron woodley could have done that the like earlier i i bet he would have i bet he would have liked to now <laughs> you
0: know? the other debate that comes in is yeah. the scoring sure a lot of people feel like that the uh fight was scored incorrectly for mm. a multitude of reasons mm. One of which a lot of people thought that they had uh, or said that they had um, Stephen Thompson winning. Sure, sure. How did you score the fight? I I don't have a
1: definitive scoring, Mike. I thought it was close enough to to score either guy winning or for it to be a draw. I I kind of lean, believe it or not, towards a draw again, and and here's why. I think Thompson won more rounds. Um, Like, I believe he won more rounds in, in their first fight, but... I'm leaning towards the, the fifth round being a 10-8. And I know, and this is a whole other separate discussion. I'm going to try to get the executive director, Bob Bennett, on the line. But that unprecedented, incredibly bizarre move for Bob Bennett to come out and say that the fifth round scoring 10-8, the one judge that scored a 10-8, was unacceptable. We've had such horrible decisions in Nevada and n- right. never can I remember a, an executive director right afterwards summarily saying, this is an unacceptable score. Now, I think there's an argument whether or not the last round should be 10-8 or not, but I think there is an argument. Anytime the round is close and then one dude finishes the round by dropping the other twice, even in MMA, like you're not crazy if you score that 10-8. Maybe you shouldn't, but you're not crazy if you see a 10-8. So I, I'm i leaning towards draw... I. I'm not, like, I I think it could have gone to either guy or a draw. It it was really tough to score.
0: So, on MMADecisions.com, which Mm -hmm. is a website that aggregates uh, scores from pundits and people, you know, media people, five of the people uh, listed gave it to Woodley, Mm -hmm. six gave it to Thompson, and then another mm, eight gave it a draw. So, and here's the other thing about the 10-8 round was that in 2016 rules, that might not have been a... 10-8 round but in mm. 2017 rules that could be a 10-8 round. Did Nevada but has even adopted Nevada them. has yeah. even adopted yeah. it yet. So based so, on 2016.
1: Yeah, I think th- it's a much ado about nothing. I think having I think the judges seeing a different way in a fight that close is understandable. To me, I don't know. Did you think like, hey, this was a robbery one way or the other? Or one of those scorecards was so crazy.
0: No, I, I mean, I feel like it was such a close fight that whichever way it went, yeah, it that's,
1: that's kind of the way I was thinking. I know that doesn't—that's not helpful for people or the fighters, but yeah, it was—it was hard. It was hard to score for me as well.
0: Yeah, but either way, it's in the books. Woodley's retained the title. Yeah, man. What do you think's next? Do you think he waits for Maya Mazzvadal to clarify? Oh, good lord! I hope so. <laughs> Damien, like,
1: I mean, at this point, Jose Mazzvadal is also a contender. So if he wins, if he beats Damien Maya, the hottest contender in the division that he should get the title shot Damian Maia should have gotten the title shot or at least been guaranteed it as his next fight for a very long time in my view so um I would imagine I mean they're just what like two what two months away like I could see him waiting I don't know I don't have any insight into what Woodley would want to do um maybe if they offer him someone like Nick Diaz like right away i Bet he'd take that. <laughs> I bet he feels pretty confident in that matchup and that he can make money. But uh, I like to see that. I think Damian Maya, Jorge Masval should be next. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson should should shouldn't be ever be far away from a title shot again. Whatever he does next, um, but uh, I, you could say he deserves another one. But I, I just think we need to go to the next guys.
0: Yeah, I no. mean. If they didn't do the, the Diaz-McGregor trilogy, right? Yeah, or right. exactly, but, exactly. You know, Thompson, I think the trilogy fight's there if, you know, circumstances set up for it well. For sure. But the, uh, I don't think it'll be in the immediate just because mm. I think people, there'll be a lingering bad taste. For whatever reason, people really had a negative reaction to that. Yeah. Which leads me to another question about this fight. I was talking to some people about the chess match aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Some people feel like that's a cop-out for a boring fight. Some people think that it's a real thing. Uh, you heard Tyron Woodley in the post-fight press conference kind of talking about the signals he was getting, which yeah. would make him hesitant in moments that he didn't want to be hesitant. What do you think of the chess match debate?
1: Well, I mean, it's it, there's not too much of a debate. You either, if you think that fighting competitively doesn't involve tactics, strategies, reacting to your opponent, and a lot of counter moves, if you think it doesn't involve that, um, you're, you don't know anything about fighting. Uh, if you want to disregard that and say, hey, to hell with it, you, you, know, you might know something about fighting, but you might be the type of fighter, let's say like a Leonard Garcia, that just doesn't care. right? He's not going to use strategy ever, at least by all appearances. He's just going to wing it. In this, which case, you're not dumb or you're not ignorant of fighting for that type of fighter, but you may not be giving yourself your best chance at winning. And no champions ever fight without tactics, without strategy, without tailoring their approach to their opponent. We, again, in other sports, we celebrate wins that are squeak-bys, right? Won and clinched in the last second after a really close... Uh, thing in other sports, even if it was a low scoring basketball game, for example, you got 60s, you know, someone hits a three pointer to, to finish the game or goes on a 6.0 run, single person 6.0 run to win it like 69 to 68. would celebrate that and we forget that it was low scoring. And fighting, we don't. So uh, to me, I think you're being very nice to people by even entertaining the idea that <laughs> it's a debate. Oh no! I, there's no chess match. There's no tactics or strategy or counter moves in fighting. It's just mindless movements. Yeah, okay. That's not a debate. They don't know what they're talking about.
0: So, building off of UFC two and I, one of the big storylines uh, running into it was the feud that seemed to develop between Dana White <laughs> and Tyron Woodley. They both had separate appearances on Sports Center and both said you know things um tyron was first and then when dana white came on they repeated what tyron said and dana white called him a drama queen i think uh but then they show you know in embedded you see a video of dana white and tyron woodley hanging out after ufc media day after the stare downs and taking a picture together for or a video for instagram i'm assuming it was for snapchat or something yeah. like that and they seem to be getting along just fine and then you know what what do you make of that is it I think you know Dana White showing no respect
1: to fighters rhetorically, in in addition to to say nothing of um, the the benefits and pay that they received. You know, is nothing new. But he is stepping into some some very explicit territory here with the way he's been bashing his champion, Tyron Woodley, instead of promoting him. Uh, I have a column up at mixedmartialarts.com dot com right now, and and it's. Basically, the premise is that MMA is evolving. The business of MMA is evolving, and Dana White is not. Dana White, the guy who, for years, would would insult fans profanely on Twitter, um, hurled misogynistic and homophobic slurs at reporters and official UFC videos that they recorded, edited, and published because he didn't like their stories. That's the same guy we have now, even though the sport is growing. When you have, in the weeks leading up to a fight, a guy like Tyron Woodley, you have a fight where he's he's he needs to be promoted. The fight needs to be sold. He's the main event. And in in the course of a couple of weeks, like you said, we have uh, Tyrone Woodley saying, "Hey, you know," talking about pay and conditions. Dana White getting upset and calling him a drama queen, which is a loaded term for many, many reasons. It's gendered for one. Uh, I think you could argue it's it's racialized in terms of um, the whole history. There's there's a long history of of um, in order to disarm um, black men, we. we kind of feminize or use him in drag. Um, so it's, it's a gendered insult to call him a, a drama queen. Um, and then he goes on to say Tyron Woodley and others who were interested in big money fights should shut up. And then after the fight, when Woodley says, hey, you know what? Dana White doesn't know what it's like to fight Stephen Thompson when he criticizes this UFC 209 fight. Dana White comes out and threatens Woodley, like passive aggressively, not directly as, a, as a, an adult, a man would or a grown woman might and says basically hey i'm the shot caller the sooner you learn that the better off you'll be he threatens him tacitly in the course of two weeks calling him a drama queen tell him to shut up and do his job and saying hey you'd better learn your place and shut up again that's offensive in many ways i think it has a particularly bad look for a white boss to be doing that to a black champion, he also Dana White in the weeks leading up told Tyron Woodley specifically not to talk about racism. Tyron Woodley made some comments saying, "Hey, you know what? I think there's racism uh, in in the sport of MMA." And Dana White came on and said, "Oh no, no one wants to hear about that. They're booing you because you talk about racism, and you know, and and you don't basically have the right to be to be talking about uh, about things like that. All of that is extremely uh, offensive. It's problematic for the UFC, which now is owned by a public." company. It's no longer a small family business. Um, Dana White is is really a a dinosaur right now in the business of MMA, uh, and he's lashing out in in some really more explicit ways um, than maybe he ever has before. And and I posit in the article, and I will now as well, that it's in part because he's losing control. He's been a very hands-on president in addition to promoter for a very long time, and a lot of his power is diminished his ability to decide over budgets has diminished greatly uh, since the new owners. Even before that, there were some of the biggest UFC fighters had refused to negotiate with him because of the way he is, and they were dealing with Lorenzo Fertitta directly. Dana White is losing power, and he's lashing out at fighters um, who are trying to get better treatment or who just want to express... <laughs> some Some thoughts and and I think that's incredibly offensive, and I think the MMA beat media has been so beaten down over the years they don 't see that as not okay and not normal um, and it 's a very interesting thing because I think we 're seeing a parallel with uh, the White House press corps and dana white 's good friend for for over a decade Donald Trump and the way he he treats media and and, and others that he doesn't like that 's my own take um, but yeah i think I think that feud has been entirely fired up by Dana white. I think it's really strange for a promoter. To decide to denigrate a fighter uh, and a champion of theirs, leading up to a fight, instead of promote them, Mike and I think it's—you've ex- talked about this a lot. It's a really weird to do it with uh, with Taron Woodley, with, uh, who who is a a good-looking dude who does television broadcast in a very insightful professional way who's out there in hollywood Who is a positive force in his community time and time again and in battle community in st louis uh in east st louis area um and and uh he he's a business owner he's an exciting fighter that has beaten some of the best people in the world by knockout usually and this is the guy that they're jumping on it's very strange to me
0: yeah uh the whole promoter um aspect of it that he's not uh promoting his champion just seems kind of bizarre like like he 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 made a comment at one point where you know to sell fights like uh your last fight was a draw finish somebody to sell fights it's like but that's the promoter's job
1: it certainly is and especially if he can't sell ufc 205's incredible draw then what the hell are you doing? Criticizing Tyrone Woodley for an amazing fight with Steven Thompson was back and forth, so hard to score? That's ridiculous.
0: Right. Um, anyways, moving on to the next thing. Khabib Tony. Yeah. How disappointed were you?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm disappointed that Khabib Nurmagomedov was, wasn't healthy enough to fight. I think that was a really, really cool fight. Once it was made, I was looking forward to watching it. I think it was incredibly unfair that either guy had to fight each other before a title fight Both guys long ago earned title fights Either one of them needs to, Both of them need to have their next fight Before a real championship Not this ridiculous interim title That was made a couple months after a uh, new champion was crowned So I'm not disappointed if Tony, if Tony Ferguson gets to fight For the real world title next That's good I, I think that's just fair uh, And I think Khabib should fight the winner of that as well But right. yeah I wanted to see it once they made
0: it I was very interested in that matchup and before we get to the interview segment of the portion, we did want to talk about one story: Eve Edwards uh, and his mother. Yeah, she's yeah. been fighting cancer for a while. He set up a GoFundMe page. The account has uh, received a lot of a lot of positive response. Um, he's almost, as of yesterday, was within I think four thousand dollars of his goal. Yeah, um, and I know you wanted to talk about this last week. Um, so
1: yeah, Nicole. So Nicole Adderley is Eve Edwards. Um, uh, mother and she's she's obviously a lot of other things she you can follow her at 50 fabulous and fit uh, on social media um, various accounts she's 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 a really incredible uh, active person and you know espousing healthy lifestyles um, in addition to raising eve edwards who was one of the one of the best pound for bomb fighters for many many years he's a friend of the show he's been a guest on here um, was a top lightweight for years in the ufc and internationally and now he's a he's a great coach and an analyst on television well, his mother is battling cancer. Nicole, Nicole's battling cancer, and she's been fighting hard. She's been, she's been beating him back for a while. Um, she's been going through a lot of treatment right now. Her GoFundMe page says that she's going through radiation. Um, and anyone who has been been touched by these types of prolonged uh, medical battles knows that uh, even with insurance, oftentimes costs just soar out of control. So they started a GoFundMe page. They have a goal, a, a relatively modest goal, I'm sure, of $25,000. Uh, right now, I'm seeing $20,745 of that $25,000 goal uh, has been met. So they're very close, Mike, right? Like our listeners uh, themselves, by just donating a couple bucks each could could really make a big impact. And it just goes to, to helping her uh, pay for the medical expenses that... that um, that she needs to to keep battling. Um, and the um the URL I don't know if you have it. I dropped it into the oh, uh, timeline. It's, it's on the graphic. Into the comments in. Um, oh, good, yeah. So on check the Facebook if you're check that it. out. They've got a uh, GoFundMe and her name is Nicole uh, Adderley. And again, you could follow her and her progress as she fights this and, and everything else she does in her in her life at Fifty Fabulous and Fit. Um, you know, it, it's a trying time. Um, and um. And she's—if you check out her stuff on social media, she's a really cool. She's a really cool lady who, who's got a lot of energy and an amazing uh, uh, liveliness to her. And she's battling now. So if anyone wants to learn more about that battle and wants to see if they could jump in and be a part of that team, check out the the GoFundMe page uh, for Nicole Adelaide Eve Edwards' uh, mother and, and see if you uh, can't lend her support in some
0: way. So I actually got a quote from Eves on this. Oh, awesome. Um, it was through a conference call, so it's a little muffled, cool. but we will play the audio so you can hear. Uh, basically, to set this clip up, I just kind of asked him about um, the outpouring of support from the fans uh, to help his mother and how much it meant to him.
2: Uh, that, was, that was huge. You know, I reached out to a few of my friends in the fight game, a few other fighters, and asked them for their help in getting the word out. But the response from them and from the fans, that's been huge. Uh, I, honestly, I didn't think, it was one of the things where I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that kind of response. I expected a few people to I expected to, to still be working on it really hard. I mean, we still haven't reached our goal. We're still uh, about $4,000 away from the goal, but it's been, it's been, I mentioned that we had last night, but it's still been so positive. Um, that, that in such a short time to get to that point. With everybody's help, you know, everybody, mm-hmm that has donated and donated whatever it could. And when you look at the donations and you see a donation for 5 or 12 or 16 or 35 or $117 it's is obvious that these guys are doing that because they can I, I couldn't I can't tell you how much I appreciate that.
1: Eve Edwards talking about how grateful he is for everyone spreading the word and, and helping uh, join the team to help his his mother Nicole Adderley, battle uh, battle cancer check check her out and uh, check out their GoFundMe page um, and and learn more and see if, uh, see if you can't help out
0: they're really close so we're almost there
1: yeah yeah exactly they're really really close if you if you if you pitch in now they're at the you know they're at the one yard line you can help them get into the engine right now
0: so uh, our guest today is going to be Jason Perlodo. though I believe we're going to have a surprise guest Uh-oh. joining us at the end of the show. It's um, not a bill collector for me, is it? No. All right, good. That would be a great segment, though. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. Did you want to get I him on the line?
1: <laughs> uh, you want me to call Prilodo? now? Yes. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I need to plug in here.
0: And then uh, in the meantime, the weight cutting issue rages on in the wake of Habib and Tony. Um, and
1: you've got you've got your own uh, weight cutting project which we've we've got to make it a regular check-in here. Maybe we could squeeze it in today to start chatting. Uh, I don't know the list be is really segmentally
0: then just I'll step in a scale I'll weigh in. How How that, I like maybe it. Maybe that's what the thing we'll do. We'll do like a, an actual weigh in. Oh, right, I think that's good.
1: Let's yeah. do it. You wanna see Mike Dice weigh in? Um, nobody wants you could to choose, see, you, could choose to you could choose You choose no shirt and no pants you could choose guys we'll vote on it on the uh the hoop of sh- <laughs> the hoop of shame as casey <laughs> the, the <laughs> that's right all right let's see if we can reach coach uh, jason perillo hello hey coach this is Elias. you're on uh, with me and my co-host mike dice on the extra rounds podcast thanks for making time
3: Thanks. how
0: you guys doing, man? Doing good. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. So you're you you were in Vegas this past
1: weekend uh, for the uh, for the the fights, right, Coach?
0: You know
3: what? I did go to the I Was I was out there. I actually came home before the fight. I oh, no kidding! Coming home Saturday. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I unfortunately I wasn't there.
2: The fight,
1: if that's where you're were you going to ask me about him, no, well, no, but but I was just curious. Um, I did <laughs> you know, Michael Bisping was uh was there, they announced obviously he's going to be fighting George St. Pierre. We're going to talk about that with you. We want to talk about uh um the women's featherweight division, uh, but but before all that, I gotta I gotta ask you, man. So, I don't know how much you saw of it or how much you've chatted with with uh, your fighter uh, uh Mike uh, <laughs> Bisping, yeah, but when you see like when you see Bisping go off like he did at, against GSP at the press conference or even I don't know if you saw the footage of him like just trying to I don't know. They was arguing with Eddie Bravo in a hallway or in a lobby. You know, when you, but when you see Mike Bisping go into full Mike Bisping, you know, anger mode uh, in terms of verbal, what what goes through your mind? Like I know you're a rough guy when you need to be coach, but, you know, I, I don't I don't see you starting the, the trash talking or bullying and the way sometimes that happens, do you kind of just, do you laugh when you see him kind of get into a groove like that, going after opponents, or do you kind of like cringe? Like, what, what goes through your mind?
3: It really depends on, on where we're at. You know, I mean, as far as time, time, I guess you could say. I mean, we're looking at a fight that's not going to happen for four months, mm. and we're looking at uh, Michael Bisping, who goes out and likes to have a really good time in Las Vegas. You know, but I, whether, he, whether, you know, in you know, all honesty that's that's how mike's always kind of been now hasn't it you know he <laughs> mike's a fighter mike i i, I heard some interview about uh, gsp talking about why are you so mad or something he's talking <laughs> yeah. about trying to figure out why he's so angry and i'm like this what he's doing right now actually makes him happy mm. that's <laughs> that's the confusing part i mean mike <laughs> is a you know you know mike is a fighter. Um, uh, you were talking I'm a coach now and I'm a little bit older and I, 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 I'm not the, everybody uses different things to get them motivated, you know, and everybody's a little different, you know, and everybody talks shit a little different, you know, I mean, one of the greatest shit talkers out in the day was uh, Muhammad Ali. He definitely talked a lot of shit to people, but yeah. uh, he did it in a different way. But, um this, this, do I want, I had the big, focus on my coach who is Michael Disney has been getting the calm down, has been getting the control his motions a little bit better you know, inside and outside the cage because, you know, they kinda of go hand in hand, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes. But uh I, I, this weekend I can laugh off because Mike was just having a good time. You know, if if you ask me. That wasn't I mean, you know, the intensity behind it so you know, i did do it you know was probably intensified by a, a fun weekend in vegas you know <laughs> i don't know how many people go if you've ever been out to vegas you know it's a, it is a city of thin and you like to have a good time out there and let loose and relax and uh you know mike's want to do that that's and, uh, as, as far as shit talking you know that's what he's gonna do i mean it got a little aggressive and and, you know, GSP, too, he's not a shit-talker. You know, he's never been his style. That's just not... He actually, you know, he's always, you know, you know, played the, the right political role with, you know, with how he handles himself. And, um, you know, Mike might like to have a little bit of time with that, too, at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big fight for Mike and, Mike. and Mike, you know, Mike's, you know, always down to sell a fight. And, and you don't even really have to ask him because... He's a fighter, that's right. He, he's the guy that he's supposed to fight. He's going to get intense every time. Go back and watch any of his weigh-ins or anything. He's intense with everybody. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is that back in the day, give you a little example, we were lined up to fight Mark Munoz. Um, that fight ended up falling out, but I think about that, we'd laugh at the gym. I, I would laugh and said, okay, what the hell are you, are you going to say to Mark Munoz? <laughs> you know what I mean? You nicest know, nicest guy Munoz.
1: in the world, yeah.
3: Now, he's the guy. everybody in this sport knows Mark Munoz is the nicest fucking guy in the world I'm thinking to myself fuck we're in a pickle here we're a little bit of pickle I, but but he's going to figure it out if I know Mike he's going to figure out something and something's going to come out he's going to notice something he's going to talk a little shit and that's just the way
1: he is now the the fight is, that that actually is really awesome insight coach the fight itself I haven't talked to you about it yet we're about to I haven't talked to george's coach frost a hobby about it yet i hope to talk to him at some point too about it i could be wrong but i feel like this matchup i know mike is is has talked about he feels a little disrespected and because they're they're you know all of a sudden george wants to fight for the middleweight title and i get that and i definitely want you to comment on that if, if you want but i feel like What's so interesting about this fight and what's so fair about this fight is that I get the feeling both camps like this fight, right? When I say like it, meaning uh, we think this is a good one. Sure, it's going to make everyone money. Wait, wait, wait,
3: wait. wait. You, you, you cut out real quick. Oh, you just yeah, that. yeah. I apologize. No, it's okay. They,
1: they I was saying that I get the feeling, coach, that this is a fight that both sides like for themselves, which is interesting, right? Um, usually when we you right. you know, when you talk off the record to people, you know, you get some honesty in like, you know, the, the threats in that fight or what they, what they really think about the chances. But I could see Mike Bisping and, and you saying, you know what, George hasn't fought in three years. He's not as young as he, as he was. He's taken more and more damage in his last three fights, uh, and he's smaller than us. I could see George saying, you know what, um, Michael is not as big as other middleweights. Michael is also older than me, and maybe, um, you know, he. I, I have confidence if I wrestle, I can be disciplined. So I feel like both sides probably like this we'll get george's side later do you like this matchup and and, and why
3: 100 percent. i mean you know middleweight they you know a stock division is a tough division and i've said it every time michael will fight anybody they put in front of them um you know they want to put george sapier you know george sapier you know i think this is a fight that he won i think i think his negotiations as far as coming back what i what my thought process is on it is that you know his eyes have always been on michael bisling you know just like a lot of fighters eyes because you know in all reality is 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 there a situation where george maybe would have a hard time making 170 nowadays i don't know you know maybe you know maybe he trusted ivs back in the day i'm not saying he did and i don't know if he did or didn't i'm just i'm just thinking out loud you know and, and speaking to you trying to answer this question for you, yeah. but you know uh, everybody thinks they for some reason people think they could be michael business you know he, and they gotta remember he is champion of the world and the reason why he did that is he knocked out you know one of the pound for pound top guys you know last year and, and he be, he's beaten some some incredible fighters you know and, and, and it's it, of course it's disrespectful of was disrespectful to you know come out of three years and want to step up a weight class? I shouldn't use the word disrespectful. That's probably not the you know it's you know it, he obviously feels it's a fight he can win. Mm. George feels he can win this fight, and we feel we can win this fight. I mean, pretty much what you, how you open this question and, and, and how you uh, asked this question, you know, is exactly right thought process. You're exactly right. I think both sides are really happy about this fight. You know, we're extremely happy because you got to remember Mike's been campaigning for a title for ten years. You know, he's you know he is older, like you said, than than George, and you know he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be retirement coming, you know, you know, you know, sooner than not sooner later, but you know it's coming. You know, at the end of his career, you know, I don't know what he's gonna do after, you know, after his next few fights, but he got set up for the future, and the future is, the future you need money, and there's not an opponent on the planet that's gonna produce more money, you know, to fight than George St. Pierre.
1: What was your, if, uh, we're curious, I want to switch gears here to Chris Cyborg, Justino, another one of, uh, one of the fighters you coach and spent a lot of time with, uh, have a big role in. Um, now that, I mean, the whole, the whole USADA situation and how that came up when it did and how it melted away when it did is its, its own conversation that, you know, it's its own thing. But now that it has melted away, so to speak, what what's her what's her mood been like i mean I imagine it's just been a, such a crazy roller coaster over the last year or so what's uh, what's been the spirits uh, what's her spirits been like what's 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 team cyborg feeling like now that uh it looks like there's a featherweight division and she's going to be cleared to fight in it uh, in the u f c
3: wow she's excited yeah it did like you said it's a roller coaster a roller coaster ride, for sure. Especially you got someone like Chris Highborg, who is definitely a phenom. I mean, she's a she's a special athlete, and uh, you know, a fighter that will generate over the course of time a lot of attention. I mean, she's 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 fun to watch, and uh, the fact that we got something, you know, I did. I, I've been alongside with her campaigning for this featherweight division for a long time. You know, trying to, you know, as far as emotional roller coasters, you know, because there's a lot of ups and downs. She has fights. I mean, for the, for the last five, six years with this girl. I mean, there's, you know, we've had eight opponents pull out. You know, it, mm-hmm. just getting the fight alone was was, was was a battle. You know, a lot of times. And uh, now that you know the the biggest promotion of the game, the UFC, has opened up the doors to that 145 pound division. I mean, it's it, it's sanctuary for us. It's ah, here we go. You know, this is what this is. All the hard work over the years has paid off. And uh, you know. Now, UFC will get you the fight. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's going to be, you know, girls are going to be coming. Everybody wants to be in, in, in that uh, promotion. And, um, you know, for me, I just want to get the fight. Mm-hmm. I, I know Chris is going to win. I just want to make sure, you know, we got the opponents. And, uh, you know, like the, the featherweight champion right now, uh, we don't have her right now. We, you know, she's not there for us right now, you know, unfortunately. So, um,
1: Did you guys find, so- find someone else?
3: There's, 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 there's going to be so, yeah, well, hopefully that well that's that's what I'm hoping comes mm-hmm. into play. I mean, you know, we can't sit on the shelf and wait. Mm-hmm. She's going to fight. That's what she does, you know, and, and it doesn't do us no good to sit back and, you know, and, you know, who, who knows how long we'd have to wait on that, too. You know, the, this girl, what, what I heard, what, what I heard in her, in her speech after her fight, she already premeditated that, everything that happened in that. I mean, as soon as Chris Cyborg's name got brought up, she went straight to hand surgery, you know, and... Yeah, I don't blame her. I'll be honest with you. I don't blame her. I I don't blame any girl for not wanting to fight Chris Cyborg. You know, so you know, you're you're biting off, you know, probably more than you can chew if you want to step in the cage with her. I don't want to scare anybody off because (laughs) I want somebody to fight her. But uh, you know, is that going to happen? Are we going to fight the opponent? I believe the UFC has the capability to make that happen. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: That's awesome. Well. Coach, we really appreciate you taking this time, man. You know we're gonna bug you again sooner than later to have you on again. So we'll we'll cut you loose now, so we don't you don't get sick of us, man. But thanks so much. We've been on with Jason. Hey, how
3: could I get sick of you guys? <laughs> how the fuck could I get sick of you guys? You're possible.
1: Thank you, J- Jason. Before you right, before guys. you go, if there's any anything you want to shout out, uh, any any anybody things coming up, feel free to. Or anywhere if people can can find more information about you or fantastic uh, Ruka Sport Gym, feel free to drop a line now.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Ruka. You know, check out at Ruka Sport, man. It's 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 uh, that's my gym down there. But they got it's a clothing company as well, Ruka, and, and they got they got some pretty cool shit. I'm at Perillo and Go check me out. I'm not very exciting, but <laughs> you can
1: check me out if you want. He is exciting. He's just not good at tooting his own horn. Jason Perillo, coach. Thank you so much for being on with us. Cheers. Have a great day, guys. Too. He only gets quiet when
0: you ask him to like. Hype himself up. <laughs> right. He's really good at hyping up his team. And then it's like, pitch you. And he's like, I'm just the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ruka Sport but that's is that's what badass, you, that's too. like, you know, that's very rare amongst people. It is. And I that's, think that's a good quality. It is. And
1: that's the type of coach people uh, should, should look for. One who isn't trying to get themselves attention. It was like pulling, now he comes on and we have a relationship with them. I did some work with him over a year ago. But at first it was like pulling teeth, not to talk to him, but to get him to go on record and like you know hype up stuff like he just he likes to train his fighters which is awesome
0: yeah it's uh it's certainly interesting and he provided a lot of in, you know insight i think michael bisping such like a character and he was describing it so yeah um yeah carefully the way that he is you know you bring up that video of that confrontation from the world mma awards which i'd love some more context about what that was about like We're, i've watched the video and should, it seems like we should like, like, call eddie up yeah
1: gravel and see mike bisping does not like me so we can't get him on the show but we can get eddie bravo to, <laughs> to talk about it maybe yeah
0: it just i mean like eddie bravo seemed like he was talking him down and bisping seemed really upset for whatever reason it was <laughs> it seemed really, but it seemed like it was something that stemmed from before this like mm-hmm. it was like him bravo being critical i'm assuming on the joe rogan it podcast. seemed like it right that's right. what i
1: that's what i was guessing too mike Yeah. But, uh,
0: very interesting um situation and but I think he did a good job kind of explaining, like, the perplexities of it. Yep. You know, the other thing is, like, he, you know, and he sits there and he, he's being so polite and he's like, George St. Pierre is not a trash talker. But it almost felt like George was doing just as much trash talking during that press conference that, as anybody else was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Michael Bisping or whoever. And part of that's because, like, the whole, the him throwing out that him smelling like alcohol thing. Like, that <laughs> that blew my mind. Well, first of all, when he started saying that they were across the days from each other so you might
1: have been able to smell it
0: then you would have had to <laughs> really smell like alcohol he might have been able to smell it Mike. but did maybe see, did you
1: look at that video but with like, Eddie bravo I'm getting Mike visiting to hate me even more right now by the way. No, I'm
0: not talking about that I'm talking about when it was George de St. Pierre oh that, that he and they were on the like press conference call. well yeah. George GSP was saying that to Bispo no exactly yeah, and that's what I'm
1: saying so I think like like Perillo was saying he likes to have a good time four months out from a fight right. as disciplined as he is also, he likes to have a good
0: time don't want to read too much into that. Yeah. But that was a very specific timeline.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which, for those of you at home, would put you right around the July UFC 213 card. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So that perked up my ears. It. I was I didn't like, think about that, yeah. Four months, and I said March or <laughs> April, May, June. July. Yeah. yeah,
1: well, they don't want to put it in Poughkeepsie in February, that's for sure. So that's true. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Or the right? Wednesday card. After <laughs> <you or something. laughs> that's right. Wednesday FS8. No, i probably not going to happen.
0: So uh, while we were doing the show, Albert Morales, who fought at UFC 209, he fought on the uh, oh, yeah. on the prelims. He was he was watching, which was awesome to see that Man, he was watching and he, for he, watching, he said good stuff, guys. Uh, so I shot him a message. Was like, hey, if you want to jump on, feel free to call or whatnot. So I think this might be him actually Hell, right yeah. now. Hello? hello. Hello. Is this Albert? This is Albert. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining in. We love having surprise guests on like this, So thank you so much for watching. Yeah, man. How you feeling?
3: Amazing,
4: man. Amazing. I was <laughs> just listening to you guys conversation with Coach, man. I have no idea what you guys just popped up on my news feed. I was like, yeah, let me give you guys a listen, and That's the good stuff.
1: Well, now you know, man. Yeah, Coach Perillo's been on a couple times. I've been down there at... Uh, at ruka sport we did some videos and did some training he's he's a phenomenal mind and he's kind enough to come on uh and and let us bug him for a bit but uh but yeah we're really really amped that you're listening and watching now now you got to make it a habit albert now we're going to check up on you and be like dude it's wednesday you watching again are you listening
4: (laughs) yeah definitely definitely and you know like i love listening to coaches man like picking their brains apart because you know they're the guys who coach you know who coach us who teach us everything man they're like I consider my coach like my father, you know, mm. like a father figure, he kind of just breaks everything down so when I can hear other coaches and other philosophies, because nobody's the same, you know, nobody, like a bunch of different coaches have a bunch of different minds, and just different techniques and just, it's just cool to break down those guys' heads.
0: That's totally true, yeah. Now, how many coaches have you had over the course of your career? Are you guys kind of had multiple coaches, I know some people lock in with one coach and they just stay with them.
4: Um, My head coach has been my head coach my whole pro career Um, I had a year amateur uh, a year of amateur and that was at systems training center and um, At that time the head coach was in Harris, but that's where I met my head coach my forever head coach and that's uh, coach James Teal and um, He's been my coach. He'll be my coach till I die um, for MMA and everything like that Uh, I have another my other coach is coach Kenny Johnson out of house in the name and then my jiu jitsu coach is Andre Fosconcellos in Carlson Gracie team.
0: I like the the forever
1: coach. That's yeah, man. I'm sure he appreciates you calling him that too. I I, I gotta I gotta ask how did it feel I mean, obviously good, right? But like what's the feeling of, of getting such a big win uh this past weekend, especially coming off of um, you know, going having to having having had been a, a minute since you had been able to taste victory again. Is it like is it just pure joy? Is it a sense of relief, uh, Albert? Like, what, what, what were you feeling in the cage right after, and what are you still riding on right now?
4: All well, the above, man. It, it, joy, relief, accomplished, just everything. Like, yeah, sure. Like, winning is winning. Like, like, it, it, it's everything. In reality, it's not everything, mm-hmm. man. Um, like, like, we all want to win, but it's, it, it, it's. I feel like. Coming back from you, like you said, I shoot, I, I got to draw my first. fight. even though I still think I, I won that sure. fight, I believe I won that fight. I still got a draw, um, and then a loss to Thomas Almeida. That's that's you know <laughs> I didn't get my hand raised two times in a row. It, it, it kind of messes your head up a little bit. So to be able to come back from that, you know, it, it was it, it felt like man, it was just a relief for sure. And then and you know, first UFC win. It just feels like come on, dude, like. You know, you start thinking, are people thinking, are you are you ready for this, mm-hmm. did, did you come in too early, and, and all that stuff like that. And I know I belong here, so I just have to constantly kick my own ass and tell myself, yo, stop, 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 mm-hmm. and just go and train, and you're going to be the best, you're going to fight, you know, you're, you're going to take everybody out and just continue to push, push, push.
0: Now, you, you kind of uh, mentioned it, but did so? did you feel like your back was against the wall going into this fight? Um, I put my,
4: I, I guess I put myself behind, against the wall. Um, you know, realistically, man, I'm in the UFC. Uh, the UFC is filled with the best fighters in the world, uh, hands down. Like, you have other promotions out there that are filled with talented fighters also, but I think UFC, no matter what, is at the end of the day, that's where the best competition in the world is. So, anybody competing, even if you're losing, you're still competing. You, you've gotten there. you are You're one of the best in the world everybody's good anybody can win any given night and that's what people don't really understand hmm. um even even Andre is his debut he obviously belongs there he's a C, uh, CES or I forgot what the organization is but it's one of the bigger organizations in the world he's that champ that means he's the, he was the best you know outside the UFC he's one of the best he belongs there so like in reality man we if we if we put the extra pressure on ourselves but you know this shouldn't really be pressure. and we're out there fighting the best in the world so so if you put pressure that's on you but I definitely put myself against the wall cause I feel I perform the best when my back is towards the wall when I have to overcome adversity when, um, when I just gotta show up man and, and shock the world so I, I put myself against the wall for sure
0: now you are kind of in a, in a maybe unique situation I think because you have um, at 10 or just under 10 pro fights but you fought in you know the biggest MMA organizations already in the world: Bellator, UFC, World Series of Fighting, um, the British one—I can't remember the name of it—and uh, you know RFA World Series of Fighting. What's what the you know is it kind of just the same routine in, amongst all these organizations? Or is like you know the UFC just feel like a different pressure mm-hmm. altogether?
4: Um, for a while, I, I, I told myself that you know it's 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 all the same. It's all the same. In reality, I like, guess. It is all the same, but man, you know it, it's something different walking out into that octagon and hearing Bruce, Bruce Buffer scream your name, and you know um, just the way the, the the UFC is so you know tightly run. It's like a machine. I'd say, man, um, you got great workers that make sure everything runs smoothly, where you don't have to worry about anything but making weight and 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 just staying on point and media. And it's just it's it's just a it's just an awesome machine. I, I I call the UFC like. A machine, man, Um, and it's yeah, yeah, definitely. It it is, it is a uh, a change for sure. Hmm.
0: Now, when they you're sitting in that, uh, you're sitting there waiting for the judge's decisions to be read, and you can tell it's going to be a split decision. Did you get nervous in that moment at all, or did you feel confident?
4: Um, uh, I I I was nervous, man. As soon as I heard that it was a split, I was like, I I don't believe this, uh," you know. I was confident I won the fight before before I heard the split. But when there was a split I, I, I got a little nervous. I was like, dude, not not again, man, not again. I can't <laughs> I can't experience this again. I know Andre was tough and I and I do give him the second round, but there's no way he won that fight. Um yeah, so I did get nervous, yeah, for sure.
0: So you get your first UFC win on a pay per view event no less. How do you celebrate? You're in Vegas, do you do you just go home and rest? Do you party? Did you stay and watch the fights?
4: Well, we definitely stayed in Vegas and watched the fights. Um, my my wife and my coach's wife they uh, they go to every fight. You know, they get tickets to everything, so they they, they, were, they were all good. They got kind of tired and, and they, they had to leave. So me and my coach stayed. Me and my coaches stayed and watched as many fights as we could before we started getting hate texts. As soon as we started getting those texts, then you know, we had to dip. Uh, but we still watched the fights. Uh, we found a sports club that was actually showing them uh, and, wa- and watched them there. Um, but usually I go I go home and chill. But for so you know, my manager Jason House from Team Iridium, the best manager in the world, got us into this really really exclusive club and and they and they got me a little drunk for the first time in a while. So um, it, it, it it was it was definitely
0: a, a sure. It seems so crazy to me that you could compete on a card, win a fight, and then go to a sports bar and watch the event fill up amongst Vegas. the people who are just watching you fight. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. That right? has to be a bit surreal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I bet like no, I wonder like yeah. how many people sitting around you had, you know, were, were, would think to look and, and say, hey, do I recognize that guy next to me that, you know, was just fighting earlier in the card? They probably had no idea they were watching with a UFC fighter.
4: Yeah, you know, I had a couple guys at the bar kind of say what's up, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and he pops on my side, but um, yeah, dude, you know, at the end of the day, we're normal people, man. I remember uh, before I got signed to the UFC, I was walking uh, in, in the mall, I live in, I live in Torrance, oh. I was walking in the mall, and uh, I saw Fabrizio Verdum walking down the freaking mall, and dude, I see him, and uh, I'm like, yo, that's the heavyweight champ, he was the chap at the time, and I'm freaking out but then I'm realizing I'm the only one freaking out. You know, so it's kind of, it's
0: kind of crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. So you got your first win, jitters or whatever or is in the past. Now you're looking towards the future. What's next for you? Is there, you know, a specific fighter that you're looking for?
4: The, the, the only specific fighter that I'm looking for is Thomas Almeida, you know. Mm. Uh, realistically, I don't see that fight happening anytime soon because he's on his own path, you know, he's, and, and I'm not, and uh, I know they're going to want to give me a couple guys full that or anything like that, but I, 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 I'm letting it be known. He knows, everybody knows that I want Thomas Almeida. I want a rematch all respectfully, you know what I mean? I just, that's just the first loss that I've ever had, and, and I want that back. I feel like I need to come full circle around that and then you know make my way to the title. If he has a title at the time, then but at the end of the day, like right now the only thing I'm focusing on is you know I want that rematch with Thomas Almeida, and whoever comes my way, who comes my way?
0: How, lo- uh, how quick are you looking to get back into the cage? Yeah,
4: Man, I'm, sh- I'm ready to go next week, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to hang on, realistically. Um, I, I came out with no injuries, nothing like that. 100% ready to go. Um, uh, I was going to go back to train Monday, but Coach Kenny Johnson, I house at broke <laughs> out to no,
2: get trash home. Yeah, you
4: know, um, that's that's the one of the biggest things that that, uh, you know, training. I train about eight hours a day. And um, I don't get to spend time with my two girls and my wife as much. So it's kind of hard for me. I, I, I was kind of joking with my friends. I was like, yo, man, I don't know how to be a dad. You know, so it's like, I'm over here messing around with my baby. And it's like, kind of weird, but not training. Like, it, it, it's good. It's good. It's definitely good to spend some time with her. But I, I'm hoping for, and I'm. Hmm.
0: I was going to ask UFC 214, too far out or, you know, the right event?
4: um 214 is well that's the anaheim yeah, that's card anaheim
0: one, in yeah. late july yeah that'd be cool
4: yeah, that's, what, that's, that, that's what that's what that's i want uh, i want it because i want it because it's close to home and i definitely know a lot of people in la and and, and you know the you know all over they're, they're all gonna want to come and you know if i was the ufc man i would i would i would book me i'd book myself i'd book I'd brian ortega Um, you know, Alan Joban, I'd book all all of LA guys and let us just come out there and blow that card up because, you know, I come to fight, Brian comes to fight, Alan comes to fight, there's so many good fighters out here, like, you know, just stack our squad up and let us fill out the show. They
0: can can almost do like, you know, they do the three night cards, they can almost do that in like Southern California. There's a lot of gyms there.
1: You do a two week long thing in in SoCal, man.
2: (laughs) Well, Albert, yeah, man, like, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: Well, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, I feel like SoCal for sure, especially like with a little hot spot, man. We got Kings Blackout, so many stacks, so many gyms out here that are just, you know, we can we can we can sell out many cards, man. Mm.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, calling in. We really enjoyed having you as kind of a surprise guest, and congratulations on that win. It was yeah. uh, exciting to see. All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Take
1: care. All right, man. Later, brother. Oh, what a great Look dude. at that. So cool. Surprise
0: Colin. Gotta love in Surprise Collins. And he just stumbled across the show. Yeah. You know? So we're talking UFC 209, and we have a fighter from UFC 209, yeah. Colin.
1: That's awesome. we have to be in touch with him. He, yeah, he uh, did well. He was he was a great fighter in the regional circuit. Um, was a big uh, it's a, it's a big I like mean, he was
0: never even really on the regional circuit. His debut <laughs> yeah, was in Bella Tour. I guess,
1: I guess you shouldn't consider RFA. Yeah. And, like, I guess all those are not even regional. They're just, like... Minor leagues that wow. are international yeah, and RFAs
0: now merged with Legacy. Legacy yeah. to create this new thing, it's but two of the bigger ones. Yeah, you know, that's true. I'm looking at his uh page right now. There's two fights. Uh, two first fights were in Bellator, right. then right. Uh, Bama and Brit in England. Yeah. World yeah. Series of Fighting. We, you know, and he won in all these organizations yeah, too. No, no. That's you true. know,
1: he was undefeated till till he got until uh, he hit Thomas Almeida, who is a phenomenal like top guy in that division so yeah this is a this is a real top prospect man i'm uh I'm, ex- I'm excited that he seems ready to go again i'm also excited that he's like uh let me figure out how to be a dad for a few days right? yeah because you deserve some freaking rest but well, right. that's cool man we got it we got to have him on again what a cool dude to, to drop you a line and say you want to come on i
0: did a cycle a spin class yeah for an hour last night not even an hour <laughs> it's like 50 minutes yeah. and then like 10 minutes of like come warm yeah, down, yeah. I guess. Right. Cool down. Right. And, uh, that kicks my butt. So I couldn't even imagine working out for eight hours I a know. day.
1: It's, it's pretty gnarly, uh, what these, what these guys and gals do.
0: Well, anyways, that brings us to the conclusion of the show. Thank you everyone for watching. We really appreciate you tuning in, especially Albert. And thank you for calling in. Um, you know, you can find us in iTunes, you can find us in TuneIn, you can find us in Stitcher. Uh, the video will be uploaded to YouTube. It will live here on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. And we stream every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to tune in. So thank you, everyone, for watching.